0: on this week's episode of the podcast drew is telling us a story about the man of the hour that's all i gave to you
1: and it's because everybody's talking about him i feel like at least i
0: that makes me feel a little bit left out because i have absolutely no idea who we're talking about so listener you can find out alongside me so buckle up because this is deadball brothers Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast where we regularly tongue-kiss soccer history. Part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and hosted by your favorite soccer brothers, me, Adam Whitaker-Snavely, everybody's favorite wet-kisser in the soccer community, joined as always by my real-life brother, Drew Snavely. Why do you keep on saying
1: wet-kiss or tongue-kiss or why? why? It's what we do, man.
0: It's what what we do. We're intimate with the history. We we love the history. We we just we just kiss a little bit, make well, sure we that, that it knows it's appreciated. And it should be stated
1: that we are not kissing. It's no, we, we are we kiss not kiss the history. Because if we were kissing, that would be incest. And as we've stated before on this podcast, we cannot
0: and we do not condone <laughs> do. such acts. <laughs> Never ever. We will not. We won't ever. Yes. Rest assured, and you can you can bank on
1: that. Deadball Brothers is anti incest. That is
0: the type of that is the type of uh, moral code that you can expect from us. Amen, brother. Amen, <laughs> brother. <laughs> Drew, is it coming home? Uh, you know, um,
1: it it certainly looks like it could quite possibly be coming home. Yes,
0: it could possibly be coming home. Here's here's the way I look at it with these uh, with these Euro semis that are that are. About to take place. England finally looks like they might convert on all the talent that they have. Finally. Yes. And then you have Denmark, who has massive Team of Destiny vibes. Oh, my gosh. Based on the whole opening of the tournament, the Christian Eriksson thing. Yes. Then how they've gotten here. The amount of stupid, pretty goals that they have scored. I feel like every Danish goal that I see, I'm like, that's a beautiful goal. Yes uh they score bangers and then you have spain who f- it feels like they just have very it's like they've magicked their way here and not in a good way in a in a in a soul their soul to a, an evil patron type of way i don't know S- spain are really
1: they're they're good honestly they just can't finish
0: they're they're good but also they might not be great their
1: their strikers are absolute garbage and so it doesn't matter how many beautiful passes that they make. It doesn't matter I how suppose. many balls they serve up on on silver platters to Alvaro Morata.
0: Murat, uh, Morata. Yep, you're
1: correct. Or, um, Ferran Torres. Uh, well, Fer- Ferran Torres is
0: another another name.
1: Is another name that is uh, a hub of creativity.
0: I'm not going to lie. I don't know outside of Morata and maybe sometimes Torres who else they have.
1: There's like this um, – there's a striker. Because they
0: didn't bring in Yaki Williams, didn't they? they no. I don't think they did.
1: No. Um, they have like two strikers and both aren't great.
0: I don't know. I don't know, man. But, but then you have Italy who uh, actually do look extremely good. You're yeah. making a face that says like, I don't like Italy, but I have to admit they have been really good.
1: I mean – I don't wa- I don't like Italy. I'm not going to we're not going to sugarcoat it here.
0: That's anti-Italian discrimination. <laughs> I'm Anti-Italian. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> Mamma mia. I just feel like they're they're not as good as what most people are saying that they are. I just
0: I I get that, but at the same time they keep going up against like every single test and just like pass it with flying colors every time. I feel like they, they belgium made belgium is, look real silly in large stretches uh,
1: i feel like belgium still looked better than italy did and maybe it's my anti-italy bias that that i'm viewing the game through but i i mean italy they have a very they have they have a good midfield for sure and belgium doesn't have a great midfield oh talking about they have a great attack
0: Tieleman's not hot
1: yeah exactly yeah telemans was terrible Axel Vizel, Italy, I knew Italy. that Belgium
0: wasn't going to win this tournament because they start far too many Borussia Dortmund players <laughs> <laughs> I was like I mean I like them but uh good luck to you good luck to you all
1: I just felt like for for both of for both of Italy's goals it's like the the Belgian defense just definitely switched mistakes. off definitely for mistakes a second and it was like yeah clearly italy made them punish uh italy punished them yeah um that's fair in those two instances but i th- i think spain will be a much tougher test for them than belgium was
0: i think italy rolls spain that's personally that's just this is how i'm viewing it on the in the other hemisphere you have another Copa s- america other, other semi tonight set up. We, tonight we
1: are recording on the fifth of up? july yep and quite possibly, this podcast will be released on the fifth of July.
0: Yeah, ooh, same day, baby. Yeah, uh, you had Brazil surviving. Gabby Jesus going full Karate Kid. Yeah, Cleet That was to the face. Probably the most clear red card I think I've ever seen in my life, outside of like Eric Cantona. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Did you ever see Sadio Mane when he um, cleated Ederson in the face?
0: I did not, but it sounds like another clear red card situation. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was another... Uh, Brazilian was involved, but on <laughs> on the the receiving end this time, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's the same kind of instance. You shouldn't put your cleat up that high to go for a ball yeah. if somebody yeah. else's face is yep. right there, which it was in both instances.
0: Uh, Peru and Paraguay kind of prod the fireworks. That was the... I don't know if it was a surprise that the game was so good because Paraguay has kind of been a surprise team that has brought a lot of like offensive attacking firepower. But I didn't think I expected it as much from this week because Miguel on their was hurt. Okay.
1: yeah, no, I'm I didn't realize how crazy the game was. That was two red cards. Yeah, it was a crazy (laughs) crazy game. Went to penalties. Goodness gracious. Yeah, that is
0: that is absolutely insane. And then um, Uruguay and Colombia defended themselves to penalties where Colombia won, which is kind of the – that's the perpetual risk that Uruguay want, runs because they always are so defensive.
1: Yeah, which is surprising because I feel like they always have like one or two world-class attackers at any given time. But it, it time. feels like
0: they're always strikers. Like yes. right now, it's like you have Cavani and Suarez yes. who are great players. Yes. But if they don't have anybody serving the ball to true. them, it's it's not necessarily a great thing. It's true. It's, it's a good point. Yeah. And then Argentina beat Ecuador, which was kind of expected. Ecuador tried to tried to make the game honestly as Conca as possible. It didn't work mm. out for them. Mm. I mean, Ecuador
1: is relatively close to uh, Central America, <laughs> you know.
0: So so it makes sense. I suppose. I suppose <laughs> you're correct there. So we've got some. We've got some spicy. Some spicy semifinal matchups. I think the Euros are very much up for discussion. I believe in Denmark. I really do. I think they can get that job done. Um, I think everybody in the Copa America discussion will probably just be disappointed if it's not a Brazil Argentina final. We haven't discussed. We haven't recorded since um, the Jaden Sancho news
1: broke. Right?
0: Correct. It's amazing what happens when you meet the asking price.
1: It. It's incredible. Well, the asking price this year was about like $30 million less than the asking price last year. It's
0: true, but the asking price last year and then this year both made sense because Jaden Sancho didn't have as good of a year this year as he did last year. Last love year he love was him for that. Last year he came off 17 goals and 17 assists, which is a wild stat number. I thought it was 20 and 20. I think it was in, I think it was maybe in all competitions. In in the Bundesliga, just the Bundesliga, it was 17 and 17. Well,
1: Regardless, I think it's a great bit of business for both of our clubs. I do do.
0: I I agree. I think that Jaden Sancho wasn't going to stay much longer, even though he's been like pretty, I don't know, upstanding about not really like oh. being a, not really being a dick about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not pulling an Usman Dembele. <laughs> yeah. um, he's a top professional. For yeah, sure. he has yeah. been a top professional. So I'm I'm I, I wish him the best of luck in England, uh, and I. Uh, we'll proudly welcome 90 million euros to the club. Oh, man. really, really excited to see what it does.
1: <laughs> we uh, we convert it to pounds if you're a Manchester United fan, so mm. the number seems lower than what it actually is. Yep.
0: <laughs> Makes you feel a little bit better about the <laughs> yeah. whole thing.
1: Oh, I feel great about it, even if the number was higher. Um, just having somebody who, can, who has the ability to play on the right side and, and be competent over there is... Sure. Very nice, and not just competent; being world class.
0: But now apparently, United are going to sign Kamavinga too,
1: which would be cool. It would still be nice to to sign a defensive midfielder. I know. I
0: <laughs> I literally uh, John Mueller, uh, formerly the dummy run on Twitter, now he's just John Mueller, and he has his uh, um his newsletter, space space space, uh, which is really good and fun, and he's in general. He's good at writing like advanced soccer, like analytics stuff, in a way that makes sense. Yes. To like lay people, basically. But he just said, like, finally, Manchester United has exactly what it needs to succeed: young, attacking, right-footed wingers. <laughs> Another one. It's true. <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> well, I can't say that you're wrong in your little in your little zinger. But this one's English. Right, because you definitely didn't have any other, like Mason Greenwood, Marcus Rashford, they don't count.
1: No, they definitely count, but uh, Greenwood just needs to play in the center of the pitch, and Rashford can only play on the left side.
0: hot take is I don't think Greenwood needs to play.
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah. I I don't think he's
0: in Manchester United's best 11, I really don't.
1: Yeah, not now. No. With with Jaden Sancho being there,
0: nope, nope.
1: no, definitely not. I I completely agree with that. But before Jaden Sancho arrived, I think he's absolutely our best right winger.
0: Yeah, I can probably see that. Anyway, that's a lot of that's a lot of. We talk. don't need there's, to talk
1: about all this right there's, now.
0: There's just a lot of things, exciting things happening in yeah, soccer. Yeah, so we got a little bit, we got a little bit excited. And we got Drew...
1: two huge international tournaments going yeah. on right now, yeah. and then also the transfer windows open for those leagues and i don't know everything is going crazy sergio ramos is going to psg of course he is along with when and i mean i don't
0: know apparently rafael varane is going to manchester united
1: maybe we'll see i mean i don't think that it will happen and if it does happen it'll (laughs) be like the very end of the transfer window yeah true so i don't know it'd be nice to have a left-footed center back but
0: fair fair enough Drew, you have a story for us today, and all you would tell me is that it is about the man of the hour. It's about the man of the hour because... Which feels like it could be many different people.
1: There are there are lots of people of the hour currently. <laughs> um, but we yes. are going to focus specifically on a, a manager who has gone through a lot, but... Uh it seems to be that the dividends are paying off.
0: Okay. All right. Um
1: Jose Mourinho,
0: here we come. <laughs> the Roma success story. I'm I'm into it. I dig it. So as we all know, he was super right about Luke Shaw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Um we we know of Gareth Southgate. Ah yo, Gary. And um I mean we've we've even gone as far as complaining about him just as recently at, on our last podcast about him not bringing the sauce out. I'll still the complain field. about him. And we can still complain about him, even though his team in this tournament has been wildly
0: successful. God, didn't start Jaden Sancho. It's for <laughs> United, you colluding. <laughs> it's a,
1: yeah, definitely, definitely questionable choices. But when your team's winning, um, I feel like for the most part, uh, people don't, don't second guess it. I know that a lot of England fans don't care. As long as they're winning, do whatever you got to do to win.
0: I, I will say that I, I my I think my official take was that there were a lot of England fans that were also like, oh, we should be like dominating. Why aren't we playing? You know, like, so we have so much talent. Why aren't we playing? Why aren't we playing Calvin Phillips kind of thing? And, and I was like, it is satisfying to see England fans turn into Brazil fans, <laughs> where it <laughs> doesn't true. matter if you're winning. You have to be winning the right way. But... I digress.
1: Well, England just balled out in their last match against Ukraine.
0: It is Ukraine.
1: 4-0. It's Ukraine. It is Ukraine. Who were an exciting team to watch this tournament. They went toe-to-toe with the Netherlands
0: and then they uh came up against England and put up a monument to Andre Shevchenko's career in England which was that <laughs> they were barely visible on the pitch.
1: <laughs> yes. Um England thoroughly dominated that game. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like momentarily quieted, quieted some doubters. Um sou- sure. Southgate Southgate quieted some doubters there. Sure. And it was so, good to
0: finally see them score. Yeah. A pitch.
1: And so I was just thinking about it, and I mean, it was it was fun to watch England experience a lot of joy because I mean there are a lot of players on that team that are a lot of fun to watch play. Oh, there's so many, and you want to root for, yeah. You know? Even though it's England, yes, there's so many individual guys there that you want to root for. Absolutely. And so it's like I want to see Raheem Sterling ball out. Yeah, and that's awesome. I'm g- glad that he's having an incredible run.
0: Oh man, did you see the the headline where someone was like uh Raheem Sterling is like gave England the spark but uh Harry Kane is reigniting England's title chances. I was like stupid. what are you talking about? <laughs> Raheem Sterling is literally the only reason y'all are this far.
1: <laughs> He's like wouldn't have gotten out of the group stages no, without you Raheem Sterling. He scored
0: all the goals. <laughs> Every single goal I think was scored by Raheem Sterling.
1: Just Raheem's and Harry's. Yeah. And Jordan Henderson's.
0: Uh the I think the good news about uh England potentially winning the euro is that if they do Scotland can say that they're tied for first best team in Europe
1: yes, that would be that would be very cool, <laughs> but anyways, I wanted to look more into the history of Gareth Southgate um the Gare bear because I mean we know about him in his current form as manager of the English national team men's <laughs> national team and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I kind of owe it to him to look into it more because I've always just been like, oh, it's another guy that doesn't deserve to be manager <laughs> of an uberly talented squad sure. that seemingly um, underperforms at every single major yeah. tournament yeah. ever, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, he's had some, some good results in major tournaments, and I was I was curious, so let's get into him let's get into let's him. let's get into him <laughs> let's kiss Gareth Southgate a little bit so the last time that England's men's national team made the euro semifinals mm-hmm. was 1996 shouts out which Gareth Southgate was a part of he certainly that was. that time a player and uh is somewhat infamously known mm-hmm. for for that specific tournament um And I'm sure that a lot of you listening to this know why he is so well known for that tournament. Um, But we'll get to it if you don't know. Because I will talk about it later. Okay. And we can talk about it later. Um, So, I mean, it was a... I mean, I guess we can get into it now. It's fine.
0: We can just say
1: Gareth Southgate missed...
0: Gareth Southgate ruined it for everybody.
1: Gareth Southgate missed the a penalty in a penalty shootout versus Germany in the 1996 Euro, which cost England the match.
0: And that was pretty much, that's pretty much been his legacy for forever. That
1: has been his legacy forever. Yeah. No matter how successful he was as a player in the club scene or as a manager now, I feel like he's always been defined as the guy who missed the penalty. penalty. He He missed
0: the penalty in the semifinal. And I think that there was, he broke a little bit of that legacy in the 2018 World Cup when England won that penalty shootout against Colombia. Yes I think that that was like a big turning point but they still lost in the semifinals. They
1: still lost in the semifinals <laughs> so, which is
0: unfortunate also part of I
1: feel like that his legacy as well as England England's legacy of not really ever being able to get past the semifinals of any tournament. So, I mean, yeah, I I wanted to know more about about this guy who missed a penalty one time and cost Euro. Uh, that's fair. That's cost, fair. Cost England fans and the country and the team the Euros.
0: Let's 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 make it a more a more full <laughs> character than just this guy messed up yes, that one time. Yes, exactly. And now he wears suits.
1: Yes. So Gareth South, Southgate. I don't know why I keep on struggling with his name. Southgate. 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 Um he was born in nineteen seventy in Watford, groovy baby England, home of Diagon Alley. Wait, really, Diagon Alley is in Watford, and most of the sets of the Harry Potter film series oh
0: oh, the sets were in Watford, yeah, right, okay, I mean, that's
1: where Diagon Alley is uh shot, yeah, in Watford,
0: but it's not where Diagon Alley is. In the world, in the of, world of Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah.
1: No, I just thought that, that was a fun little tidbit to throw it's, in there. It's a, it's a fun fact. Because I did not know that about Watford.
0: That's, that's fair. And <laughs> once again, what is this podcast, if not just a series of fun facts? <laughs> I feel like we say that every episode. <laughs> but it remains true, my friend. <laughs>
1: Southgate started his club career with Crystal Palace. And from a young age, it was clear the young defender was mentally tough With the calmness and maturity you typically not find, or you typically find in a seasoned veteran, so he's always he's always possessed the qualities of of leading a team. Yeah, and I don't know, I feel like it's not a a trait that is that is easy to come by.
0: I mean, it's it's like you can't like it's really hard to teach that. Yeah, that's what everybody says. It's it's all the the X factor thing, the soft skills, yeah,
1: you know. And so he he's possessed that um, from the very beginning, from all accounts, mm-hmm. which makes sense. When he got to Crystal Palace, Southgate immediately became youth team captain at age seventeen. So nice. I mean, right off the bat, doing it. After several appearances with the youth team over a few years, I mean, it was more than several. It was was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot of appearances. (laughs) Um, At the age of 20, Southgate made his first team debut in an October League Cup match. Nice. By the next season, 1991-1992, he made 39 appearances in all competitions with Crystal Palace, playing right back center back, and defensive midfielder. So he's a little easy utility guy.
0: 91 would be the year before the Premier League started, right?
1: That is correct. Nice. Yes.
0: I am just trying to get my barons.
1: No, no. That's good that you're getting your barons.
0: <laughs> my barons, My B A B-A-R-O-N. Your Barrens and Bears. Yeah. <laughs> my minor feudal wards. <laughs> and it's funny that you note that.
1: Because the next season, which is the inaugural season of the mm-hmm. Premier League 1992 1993, Southgate and Crystal Palace became one of the first teams to be relegated from the Premier League. <laughs> hey!
0: hey. <laughs> nice!
1: Um, they were relegated along with Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest just for fun. I don't know. That is fun. And it's fun. So. By November of the nineteen ninety three nineteen ninety four season, Southgate was appointed captain of Crystal Palace, playing in the first division, which is now the championship. Yeah, the championship, yeah. Um, and he was promoted to captain by the new Palace manager Alan Smith, who was Southgate's coach in the youth system. Mm, nice. So yeah, it's a little nepotism there, but it I mean, seems he-
0: like he's. He's the guy. You ride the pony you came up with, I guess.
1: He's 23 years old at the time. And sure. Crystal Palace is an older side. And so it's a... Uh, it's a move.
0: It's definitely a, a yeah. strong message to send to the team.
1: Yeah. Like a recent example, I, I guess you think of is like uh, Matthias DeLitt when he was captain of Ajax at like 20 sure. years old.
0: Or when Greg Berhalter started giving Christian Pulisic the captain's baron band.
1: Correct, and he's still...
0: 22, 23?
1: Yeah, still super young, Yeah, which is crazy to think about.
0: About the age of Gareth Southgate, Yeah, yeah. is what we're saying. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, that year of the of 93-94 the season, Southgate played every single match that season, scoring nine goals and helping Crystal Palace win the division, earning promotion back into the Premier League, hey, which is great. That is good. Southgate's next season was a little stupid because... <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love the way you describe that. Uh, continue. Because the Premier League still had 22 teams in it at the time. Yes. And so they had 42 league matches. Too many. And then Crystal Palace that year also reached the semifinals in both the League Cup and the FA Cup. Gross. Meaning that... <laughs> Gareth Southgate played in every single match.
0: Good God!
1: Totaling to fifty-seven games total over the over the course of that season.
0: That's that's awful.
1: It's awful, especially in a in an era where um it was probably the most physical league. In yeah, it was the world.
0: It was the most physical league in the and world. And that
1: era was also incredibly physical as well.
0: And it's this is still in a time before like a lot of managers really got smart with like food science and like coaching a little bit more what players are eating and just like the 90s were this kind of black hole of like medical care for a lot of like just day-to-day regeneration stuff for for players it's like you if you're hurt or whatever like go take an ice bath and that's it like you're yeah done. yeah because that was that was the the sports thing. science when 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 Arsenal hired like Arsene Wenger and Wenger was like, Yeah, you shouldn't smoke after a game or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. he didn't say, uh, people were, at this point, people weren't smoking after games. They were like, <laughs> so, Oh, yeah, you shouldn't be like doing this before games. People were like, huh, Who's this? Who's this German nutter? <laughs> like, who's this idiot? What does he think? Like, um, and it was, it was like, it's funny because it was before that was like a widespread thing. Yeah. That was literally like uh, um, in the Adele Tarrapt story. Yes, that was one of the things that uh, Juan de Ramos like was like ridiculed for, where he was just like, "You can't give people all these desserts. You can't give the players all these desserts. <laughs> it's like bad for their performance." Yes, and like the locker room, like, "Oh, he's taking a wild apple crumble, mate." <laughs> like you dummies, <laughs> apple crumble. <laughs> so, so I shudder to think about what fifty-seven games in nineteen ninety-four was like in England. Yeah. That sucks.
1: Credit to Southgate. Um, it's pretty well known that he was in, um, an exemplary example of taking care of your body That's and good. eating right. Great. And it was noted yep. in articles that I was reading. Um, and <laughs> Because he would have died if he had not. <laughs> probably. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. Unfortunately for Gary Southgate and Crystal Palace, um, after losing both semifinals of the FA Cup and the League Cup, they also happened to be one of the teams relegated again. So they spent one season up in the top flight, and then they got sent right back down. um, This time being unfortunate beneficiaries of the Premier League cutting down to 20 teams. Uh, Yes. Four teams were relegated this year, this season, and... Crystal Palace was the fourth worst team, meaning they had to go back down.
0: Unfortunate. This Unfor- It's just bad timing <laughs> it is more than anything very else. very bad timing. <laughs> so while
1: Crystal Palace was sent back down to the first division or the championship now, Southgate, however, stayed in the top flight in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. He secured a transfer to the Lions in Birmingham. Oh. Aston Villa.
0: Ah. Because
1: they're the Lions. They
0: are the Lions. Obviously.
1: Look at their crest.
0: Shouts <laughs> to Jack Greylish.
1: Yes. So Irish, but playing for England. Yep. <laughs> is he
0: Irish? Is that what that name is? Greilish just sounds like Scottish or Irish. Or, or maybe it's
1: uh no, it's probably Scottish. Or something. I think he definitely could have played for Scotland. He probably could. I mean, I I think... It was the same thing with Declan Rice. I think
0: almost every single England player could play for someone else. That's kind of the thing about England. That's true.
1: That's true. If you're good enough, you'll play for England. And if you're not, you'll go play for Scotland or Ireland. Or Jamaica. Or Jamaica.
0: So many English-Jamaican players. They're trying to get Mason Greenwood. Oh, are they really? I think so. I think it was Mason Greenwood. I know. I, Jamaica, That'd be crazy. Jamaica, just in general, lately have like really, really ha- pursued a lot of like fringe English talent.
1: Should have pursued Sterling harder.
0: I mean, they say. were never going to get Sterling. You never know. You know, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, anyways, Gear Southgate moved to Aston Villa, so he got to stay in the Premier League. Um, This was a club record for Aston Villa at the time. 2.5 million
0: pounds. I love the the club record transfers from like the 90s because it feels like not long ago at all. But then they're like, "Uh, yeah, the world record transfer fee, 9 million (laughs) pounds. like, Now you trade like a youth prospect for that. I I was
1: going to say, well, like the most tantalizing youth prospects nowadays go for like, 15 to 20 million euros so it it really is crazy (laughs) how money and inflation works sure at villa southgate continued playing center back continuing to be the field general that he was at crystal palace villa went from finishing 18th the season before southgate showed up to fourth the season that he was starting every match at center back
0: yeah that's pretty decent not bad that's pretty good
1: in his first season with Aston Villa, they also went on to win the League Cup. So, Southgate was playing the best soccer of his career up to this point, which was great for him since England was hosting their first major tournament the country had ever hosted since it 66- came home in 1966.
0: Okay. I was going to say, I'm like, well, they were 66. Glad you got there. <laughs> Gareth Southgate was
1: called up for the Euro 1996.
0: And we are back from our regularly scheduled ad break. Drew, you were getting into the details on Gareth Southgate, and we made it to him getting called up for a European championship.
1: Yes, yes, the Euro 96 to be specific.
0: Uh, Shouts out, uh, 96. I was in kindergarten.
1: Ah, oh, man, what a year. I was one year old. Nice. One years old. Nice, nice, nice. One year old. You were, you were starting some words. I'm starting some words. I'm still working on them. Yep, well, we all are, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> so, at the time, Southgate was one of the first choice center backs for England, which makes sense. I mean, he was a staple in the Crystal Palace sides that did really well in cup competitions, mm-hmm. not so great in the league, but had... Helped lead Aston Villa to a spot in um, fourth place, which qualified them for a European Championship uh, competition. Nice. The following season, as well as winning a League Cup. So I mean, he's getting silverware. He's
0: getting silverware. Not a lot of people do that.
1: Not a lot of people do that. That's that's correct. So this England side was good. 96. Yeah. As they typically are in most major tournaments. Sure. Lots of talent, like we said, usually underperform. The defense specifically was very stout. um, And Southgate was at the middle of all of that. Mm -hmm. They only gave up two goals in the group stages of the year 96. And their first match of the knockout round, they didn't give up any goals. The issue there was... That they didn't score any goals either, ah. <laughs> and so they had to go to penalties against Spain. Indeed, and advance there. And so, from that quarterfinal matchup with Spain, they moved on to semifinals versus their arch nemesis Germany, who had dispatched dispatched them on penalty kicks in the previous uh, a couple previous major tournaments.
0: Do you know what my favorite part about the whole England Germany rivalry is? That England never won and Germany won everything? That the Germans don't consider England their rivals. Ah. Uh. Like, the Germans are like, oh yeah, England is a team. Like, like I mean, yeah. they, they just lost to England, but it's still kind of like, they're not really like, Germany doesn't, like, consider England, like, one of their great historical rivals. Like, not even as much as, like, the Netherlands or something like that. And England is like, oh, the Germans, like,
1: always. Yeah. It was like when Tony Cruz and Mason Mount had that like little um, scuffle. Little tiff. Uh, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, after Chelsea beat Real Madrid in, uh-huh. in the Champions League. <laughs> and Tony Cruz is like, yeah, I mean, they played well. Uh, and, well, Mason, I think Mason Mount said that Tony Cruz said something about Chelsea not being like It was kind of like a backhanded comment, Uh, just like a typical uh, German answer. It's a little arrogant, and so I guess Chelsea and Mason Mount specifically took exception to that comment, and um, Cruz responded saying, like, I've won so many Champions League (laughs) (laughs) trophies. (laughs) like."
0: Uh, Tony Cruz is like, I have a World Cup. I've yeah. got like three Champions League, yeah. Like
1: he's he's got so much so con- many trophies.
0: Congrats on your first. Yeah. It was essentially <laughs> that. And oh, just, that's like, so good. I mean,
1: he was like a really good sport about losing. Yeah. He was just like, hey, like, congrats to you guys for winning. Like good luck on tying my record yeah. for how, yeah. <laughs> how many Champions League trophies I have. Cause it's a lot, and you guys don't have that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, Tony's kind of has like more
0: Champions Leagues than Chelsea has won in their entire yeah, history.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it, it, so it, it's kind of like that where um, the rivalry is only one sided. Yeah. So after 120 minutes of the English England Germany matchup, it's all level. And like I said earlier in the podcast, we already talked about it and went to a penalty shootout. And what wasn't said earlier in the podcast was that all five of each teams, all five penalty kick takers from each team scored their penalty. And so for those not familiar with penalty shootouts after five people take kicks, Mm -hmm. um, and if the level, if the score is still level after that, it goes into a sudden death. Yeah. And so, for England, that next guy up, the sixth man, was Gareth South, Southgate. Sure was. And you can watch the penalty shootout on YouTube. It wasn't. You can see it it for wasn't yourself. that long ago. Yep. Um, but Southgate goes down there, places the ball, takes. Um, Several steps back mm-hmm. to, like, the top of the, the key, the top of the the 18-yard box yep. where the little hoopy thing is. I don't know.
0: <laughs> the little hoopy thing is the technical term. What do, I, what I is, actually have no idea what it's uh, called.
1: And what's the point of it, really?
0: No, the point of it is to mark. Oh,
1: for the penalty. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. you have to be 10 yards yeah, 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 10, 10, yards yards, or 10 yeah.
0: paces away, whatever.
1: I asked it, and I didn't even think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... He runs up looking confident as hell. I mean, I guess you kind of have to. Sure. If, yeah, you know. And he takes a pretty terrible penalty and it goes slightly to the left. The keeper's right, but it's a comfortable save mm-hmm. for the German keeper. And then the next German steps up and drains his penalty Just as Germans do in penalty shootouts.
0: Didn't it come out after that tournament that they didn't that England didn't practice penalties at all? Like that was a thing.
1: Uh, I, f- I
0: feel like that was a thing that I, I know it was a thing at, me. at one point with the England team that was like, yeah, we don't, we yeah. don't practice penalties.
1: Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. At w- all. Because,
0: because I know that like before the 2018 world cup, Garrett Southgate was like, yeah, we're, yeah, we practice penalties. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah.
1: That wouldn't surprise me if that was, if that was true.
0: I know if Maddie Hill was coaching, that they would have d- so many penalties. <laughs> I I back <laughs> New York.
1: You just never know. So, obviously, it's heartbreak for England, their team, their country. They're the hosts this year. Yeah. And it's been so long since football has come home. <laughs> and has been so
0: long since it's been home.
1: Everybody thought that this year was the year because they were hosting it. The last time they hosted, they won the World Cup. So, obviously so, – obviously science, uh, Duh. the equation works out to England winning Euro 96. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And very unfortunately for Gareth Southgate, he becomes the guy who misses the penalty that costs right. England.
0: He's a scapegoat. Yeah. And more than that, he's a defender. So like you, you, just because you are not afforded the opportunity, like attackers are to like make amends for that immediately. Because so much of your work is like thankless and really hard to, uh, to like just put into numbers or into easily consumable. E- easily consumable and noticeable, like, facts and, and, like, actions on the field, it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, these are the numbers that say this person is a good defender as opposed to this is why this person is a good striker. He scored 25 goals this year. Yes. Like, so. so it's harder to, like, come back from that because you can't just, like, go and score a bunch of goals as a defender. You just... Are tasked with going back to thankless work, but now you're also the guy that missed a penalty.
1: Yeah. Also, it's terrible because he was the only person who missed a penalty. Yeah. It's easier when there are uh, two or three people that also miss or have their penalties saved, <laughs> but when you're the only guy and the sole reason why you lost the penalty shootout, it's it's pretty tough.
0: Yeah. Totally. Um,
1: and I mean, Alan Shearer just came out with that article on the Athletic talking about penalties in in the euro 96 and it i mean taking penalties being the hardest thing that a soccer player can do
0: oh yeah uh, absolutely just
1: the amount of pressure that's on your shoulders and you have to try to kick the ball into the back of the net it's easy in theory from 12 yards um but it's way more difficult. I get nervous taking penalties in like recreational games. Yeah, dude. No, <laughs> yeah. I took a bunch of
0: penalties for like intramural games. Yeah. And every time I was like, this sucks. It's crazy. <laughs> it
1: really is. It's the best, but also the worst way to, the the worst way to, to, to determine a, a winner yeah. of a match. And so I really feel for, for Gareth Southgate because of that. Um, but, as we all know, he rebounded, life goes on, um, and he didn't end up drunken and dead in the corner of his local pub. Yeah. You know, where I feel like... Like a Wayne lot,
0: Rooney in that one Nike commercial.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of players miss that, and their career spirals sure out of control, uh, and they deal with a lot of mental issues.
0: Well, I mean like we just said, it's like a, it's one of the hardest mental things that you can do. Yeah. yeah. And and when you're faced with knowing that like, oh, my country could have won the European Championship and they didn't because of me. Like basically, like I was the reason. Yeah. <laughs> that Luckily could, for that yeah. Sucks. Luckily
1: for Southgate, he's always been a very mentally tough person, yeah, pretty steady. And so after after the tournament, life went on and he went on to become captain for aston villa and every season after he became captain aston villa never finished below seventh in in the league table pretty pretty darn good i mean he was he was the guy for aston villa for several seasons a successful aston villa club yeah um which totally is awesome that he could do that after having a monumental mistake yeah on the international I mean I mean
0: look at look at how Aston Villa like descended in the 2000s and have only just now become a thing in the Premier League again like like it's not you can't take it for granted that like he had he was so his his side under his captainship was so consistently good yeah and being consistently good in the Premier League is
1: not an easy thing to do. No,
0: absolutely not. Which
1: is why there are only like a couple teams that are consistently mid-table or like upper, yeah. upper table um, throughout decades. Listen, there are
0: far worse fates than being an Everton fan, you know? <laughs> I was going to say Everton, but I was like, oh, I'll be nice. You but- might never win anything, <laughs> but... You're always in the race. What
1: you're doing is tough. Yeah, what it's you're doing tough is tough to be what that you're doing consistent. doing real
0: hard and I'm <laughs> proud of you. Is what I'm trying to tell
1: you. Oh, uh, gosh. So in the early 2000s, Southgate moved on to Middlesbrough, making 120 appearances with that club. And in Middlesbrough in 2006, he went on to become manager of the club.
0: I remember this cuz this is when I first started. 2006 was when I first started getting into soccer a but... Yeah.
1: So he went from player to manager mm-hmm. um and would last at Middlesbrough for a few years yep. before taking a break from soccer. Um and so he wasn't successful at Middlesbrough. I didn't no. look up his statistics, managerial statistics well, for that.
0: Middlesbrough wasn't very good before No. They were like lower mid table slash like always kind of in the discussion for Relegation. not always, but like they were a team that was like, yeah, this team could get relegated if a couple of things don't pan out this way. Yeah. And I remember Gareth Southgate, Gareth Southgate getting hired and people kind of being like, it's an interesting hire. It could be great. And it's exciting in a way because it's a young guy, you know? I think that there's always, like, some excitement when it's, like, a really young guy or a person that... Kind of like when uh, Vincent & Company went back to Belgium and became, like, player manager kind of thing. Like, there's a certain excitement about having a a player so close to their playing days being manager. Or, yeah, or or just, like, in general (laughs) being, like, a young guy taking over. There's a certain energy that gets injected into the club when that happens. But Middlesbrough were, like, they were... Initially, pretty pretty okay, yeah, and it kind of like slowly over a couple of years, like they started going down.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so after a while, Southgate, it's like uh, I well, it was probably like a mutual mm-hmm. breaking breaking up. Got sacked. He resigned. Whatever. Yeah, um, he stepped away from being super involved with the game. Sure, I mean he's still. Was pay ten- paying attention to the game? Yeah. working on um, tactics, studying. Totally, um, because sense. the the goal was to come back and and manage one day. Mm-hmm. I think he just probably felt like he didn't have a a break from soccer, going directly from player,
0: which makes a ton of sense
1: to manager, yeah. and not having any time off. I I feel like mentally it's tough if you do that transition and you're not immediately successful.
0: Yeah. Or that. And also if you haven't been like groomed in any way, because I think that there are some players that are like, they kind of start to reach the Hill. And I think that their managers realize like the potential for them, their managing career and them. And so they kind of start to I, honestly, like I think a little that a little bit about that with like Vincent company. Yeah. Because Vincent company similar to Southgate was somebody that was a captain for a really, really long time. And, and people like kind of immediately recognized his leadership skills yes. and how important a figure he was in, in multiple teams. Yeah. Um, definitely because he was a, he was a, a captain for Manchester City. He was a captain for Belgium, um, which was itself like its own tricky geopolitical thing yes. because Belgium speaks like three or four different languages throughout the country, and there's like a massive divide between the French speakers and the the Dutch speakers, the Flemish people. And Vincent Company spoke both languages, and he also spoke English fluently. Big blue guy, which they which they also speak on the field. Belgium speaks oh, English I on didn't the field. Know that. Yeah. Belgium, the national team of Belgium speaks English on the field so that it doesn't seem like they're preferring one language over the other Ah. because there's a lot of Dutch speakers like Kevin de Brown is a Dutch speaker. Yeah. There's a bunch of French speakers. The Hazard brothers are both French. Yeah. Um, There's like a little population from the, uh, from the Eastern side of Belgium that speaks German. So it's like yeah it's a, it's a there's a bunch of different languages there's not like one official language of Belgium, Belgium. so yeah. they speak English on the field. Yeah.
1: That's cool. I like that.
0: But but it felt a little bit like that towards the end of Vincent Company's career that like people started grooming him yes. to be a coach. Yes. Um so it's it's tough if you don't necessarily get that treatment per se. And and so when he hung up the
1: the managerial pen or coat whatever yeah. in in 2009 he spent those years off to work on those managerial skills and um in 2013 he became the manager of the England's England's men's national team for their U21 side. Yeah. And so this was I already said 2013. You did. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so in 2016 um English manager Roy Hodgson stepped down, uh, or was sacked, and his
0: England side didn't do a (laughs) ton.
1: His England his England side um, underperformed,
0: which historically checks out. Famously bowed out in the group stage of the World Cup, 2014 World Cup with Italy, when they got drawn into a group with England. It was England, Italy uruguay and costa rica Rica. and costa rica uruguay and costa rica made it out of the group and everybody was like what that was was crazy (laughs) that was was awesome awesome world cup
1: (laughs) and then in 2016 there was a euro competition yes there was and england lost in the first knockout game to iceland uh yeah 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 (laughs) so man
0: iceland was so hyped that tournament
1: yeah they lost the next match, but... They did. It's okay. That's when Wales had their huge run, too. That's true. So, uh, Hutchin gets sacked, and everybody's like, Are, is Southgate going to take over yeah. the English national team? And Southgate at the time was like, no, I'm not I'm not going to take over. Um, we're going to find somebody else. I'm still just going to manage the U21 side. And so they hired Big Sam Allardyce.
0: Oh man, who had almost completely forgotten about this tiny, tiny period of time yes um, who managed an
1: overwhelming total of one match yes, he did for the English side yes, he before did. the the 2016 english um football scandal, yep um, which he found himself in the middle of, embroiled in shall we say <laughs> and uh subsequently resigned yes. from from the post and that is when Southgate took over as an interim manager for the team mm-hmm. and
0: did a good enough job to take on the role full-time land that full-time position. The and Bob Bradley route, the Bob
1: Bradley route
0: where you get the interim job where they say, we're going to look for other options and see who's going to be the full-time coach. And then you're like, you know what? <laughs> Just keep it.
1: The, the <laughs> Ole, it. the Oleg gunner Solskjaer route also true and so he had Southgate under their first England under their first major tournament with Southgate at the helm made it all the way to the semifinals of the 2018 World Cup, mm-hmm. bowing out to Croatia, who they probably should have beaten, but Croatia were a good.
0: Like, was very good They were tournament. good that tournament. It was it was it's hard to deny. They were extremely good that
1: yes. tournament.
0: Yes. Yes. I think that England definitely underestimated them.
1: Probably. They underestimate everybody. <laughs> because they're like, "Oh, England might." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but still still a great showing, but uh tough to overcome that that semifinal stereotype totally. of, of England not being able to overcome that and Southgate specifically um, in his career, lost in so many semifinals. And so, on the day that we're recording, uh, England is currently in the semifinal of the Euro 2021. We're calling it 2021 because it's stupid to call it the 2020.
0: It's the 2020 Euros. played like in <laughs> 2021, my man. Uh,
1: against Denmark, who we talked about being a very team good of, side, team a team of, of destiny. destiny. Um, and I am... I'm happy with the result either way for, for either team. I'm equal parts rooting for, for both sides. I think Um, Mm -hmm. it would be awesome to see Denmark win, but I think it would also be awesome to see England and Gareth Southgate and all their incredibly talented players who are a lot of fun to watch. Um, finally do something of (laughs) significance (laughs) at a major tournament. It would
0: be, uh, I think the Gareth Southgate redemption arc is, is a big one. That, that could definitely happen.
1: Yes. And I, I think that he definitely probably got some redemption from the win over Germany. Sure. and Definitely. The, the first match of the knockout phase.
0: But... But you know it's all about getting past the semifinals. Yes. Because England has the thing with semifinals. Yes. They get to a lot of semifinals and they lose there.
1: And it's there for the taking. It really is. They are on the easier side of the bracket. They... After they
0: beat Germany, they got to face Ukraine, you know? And, yeah. And so yeah. that was, that was a favorable matchup. And it, honestly, this one, if you is have to probably choose. a favorable matchup as well for the semifinal round of
1: the three remaining teams, if you have to pick an opponent. Between Denmark, Spain, and Italy, you probably picked Denmark. You probably picked Denmark, even though they're a good side.
0: Even though they're good sides, and even though that they have looked like they are playing inspired football. Yes, as you say. Yes, you still probably picked Denmark. Maybe you pick Spain. Maybe, yeah. Given their performances in the tournament. Yes, but, but yes, you're correct.
1: So we will see if if Gareth Southgate and the boys this year can can bring it home, and we get this nice little redemption story tie a little bow on the whole thing tie a little bow on the whole thing but i think i think his story is far from being over he's done an excellent job with this english national team in my opinion um managing vibes head coach of vibes really (laughs) head vibes coach (laughs) Uh, and when you have so many egos um of some of the most talented soccer players in the world it, it gets really hard to manage them on a personal level and bring about a sense of unity. Sure. And I think that this English team is probably the most unified that we've seen yeah. in recent history.
0: I think a hot, maybe not a hot take, but a slightly hot take, um, that after this one, especially if England win, but really no matter what, after this one, um, Gareth Southgate should just say the 2022 world cup is going to be my last thing that I do as England coach and, and just like put it out there, put a good cap on it because when you're the international coach for a long time, it never works out well for you. It's true. Look at Yogi love. Yogi love. I mean, yeah, like, I was going to say that like, like it's, it's terrible. Like the, like it just, it's too long. That it's more than two cycles. More than two World Cup cycles is too long for any international coach. It feels like almost all the time. And
1: I mean, Southgate could easily, no matter what uh, England does in the semifinal and potentially the final of this tournament, I think he could resign. Oh, and and get a job with. Tottenham Hotspur,
0: England, England could get blown out by Denmark, and they could sack Gareth Southgate, and he would instantly become, instantly become the hottest coaching commodity in yeah, England, easily, like easily, day one, yeah. Even even though even though he got blown out, like, yeah. and I don't think that they will get blown out. No, so, I, no. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Well, so, Drew, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I feel like Gareth Southgate gets
1: a bad rap for. Missing that penalty in '96, but also um, making what the public decides as questionable calls, sure for for roster decisions. Um, when in reality he's getting results and has been relatively successful in major tournaments. Yeah. so felt like he he deserved um, a positive podcast episode. So to speak, we appreciate so, that. Yeah, uh, sources for this story are Stuart Horsefield from These Football Times, theFA.com dot com, and their archives, and Gabriel Gabriel Marcotti from ESPN.
0: Ah. Horsefield just sounds like the most English name imaginable. Yeah, yeah <laughs> probably English. <laughs> thank you, Drew, for the story about Gareth Southgate and going over some of the intricacies of his career. And thank you, listener, for hanging around with us, for laughing at our jokes, even though they're really stupid a lot of the time. So stupid. And for, in general, supporting the podcast. If you're interested in supporting more of the podcast, the biggest thing you can do is to leave a rating and review on our Podcasts. We read off listener reviews from time to time, And the more reviews we get, the more people see the podcast, the more it gets kind of upped in the algorithm. It helps us a bunch. Also, if you're interested, we are on basically all social media platforms uh, at DeadballPod on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Facebook. uh, We update from time to time. Uh, We have an email, deadballpod at gmail.com. And if you're interested in merch, we also have a Teespring store, the link to which will be in the description below, along with all the lovely sponsors. For this week's episode, courtesy of Blue Wire Podcasts. But I think that is all that we have to say for yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we're done. I think so, that's it. as always, my name is Adam Whitaker Snabley, And I'm Drew. And we will see you very, very soon. Bye bye now.